This is the DM Podcast with Dennis Seid and Max Whittle. It's NBA from start to finish and the chatting starts now. It is time. The NBA Finals are here. Only two teams left, the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. One of these teams will be crowned the NBA champion 2019. And you know what it is, guys? My man Max Whittle and I haven't had one second of time to talk about this. So it's about damn time. What do you think, Max? I think we should go back to episode one and see uh, which teams we predicted would make the finals. I'm sure we both had the Warriors, but I can't remember who we picked out of the East. I had Boston. I think I even had Boston as NBA champion before the season started. So A lot of people did. Yes, yes, yes. But before the playoffs started, um, I had Toronto and Golden State. We talked about this before the Eastern Conference semifinals or finals, um, and I, I had Toronto in six, I think, mm. going to uh, going to the finals. So that came through. That came true. You are a savant. I um, I'm excited yeah. for this matchup because it. When the Bucks were two nothing up in the Eastern Conference Finals, I was one of these people who said that Milwaukee wouldn't just make the finals out of the East, but they could be potential favorites because of the depth of that team, how well Yanis was playing. But the Raptors were the first team to really figure them out, how to guard them, how to swarm Yanis, and how to make them look like a very average team. So I think we've got the best possible matchup we have, uh, minus Kevin Durant, obviously, who's not going to start. He, who's maybe not going to play because mm. um, I think we're going to jump into a little bit, a little different uh, kind of topics. Just we'll just go go with the flow. Um, but the Kevin Durant thing—that's one of the the biggest topics, of course. Um, did you see going... Chris Haynes' tweet? No, I didn't. What did he say? He's going to Toronto. Oh, yeah, I was just going you to were say, say that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I must have seen somebody else tweeted, but he's going to Toronto. So that that's that's good for the team for the morale, I think. Um, but I heard some rumors that he that there were some chances that he wasn't going to play at all mm. in the finals, that he might have played his last game as a Golden State Warrior. Imagine that. Imagine that. But the thing is, the Kevin Durant uh, topic, I think we have to talk about it a little bit later because there are so many wrinkles over there also for Durant's future. Um, I think we first have to touch just a global vision of this series. What do we expect of this series? Because um, we've got the best defensive team in the playoffs against the best offensive team in the postseason. Um, Toronto being the best defense, number eight in offense, um, and the Golden State Warriors, exactly the opposite thing. They're number one in offense, number eight in defense. Uh, I think it will be a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating series. Um, and what I've been hearing, a lot of reporters have said Warriors in six, Warriors in seven. A lot of people, a lot of Belgian fans I've heard um, on social media, they all think Warriors in four or in five. Mm. And I think that's a little bit dis disrespectful for Toronto, especially after what you just said, after what they have shown against the Milwaukee Bucks, because I share your vision, actually. Um, I was quite confident that Toronto could beat Milwaukee before the conference finals started. But after those two games, I was totally into Milwaukee. I was convinced that Toronto had no way of coming back from that 0-2 uh, deficit, just how strong Milwaukee looked. They had answers for everything, but then... It appears that Nick Nurse and his coaching staff are just better in adapting than Mike Budenholzer and his team is uh, was in this series because the adjustments that he made were so effective, were so good, and Milwaukee never knew what to do with that. And for me, that Nick Nurse did that and that the whole team responded greatly to that, 
is an extra validation for their for their greatness, actually. Well, I think on uh, certainly on the offensive side, Nick didn't have to do a, a whole lot. I think what I like about him as a coach is he stick he sticks to his guns. When they went two nothing down on Milwaukee, he was being questioned about the bench, and and we know that Toronto are eight deep. Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Vliet. And Nurse said after the second game that. He was going to stick to his guns, and it's all about it's all about how the the next game goes. And I I love this line that I heard recently that we like to have a referendum on every game, um, and it's so true because after yeah. after two games we were saying that Toronto couldn't beat the Bucks because their depth wasn't good enough. Uh, Powell and Van Vliet had gone missing. After four games we were saying that if those guys shoot, then they are almost unstoppable. If Le- Leonard is willing and and has his passes on time, he's a key playmaker in that sense. So I like what Nurse did in that respect. He didn't panic after two games. He stuck with his rotations. What he did do was make the change defensively. It was the first team in the postseason to switch it up on Yanis. Kawhi guarded him effectively. Yes, his point production went down a little bit, but he still averaged 32 points and eight rebounds. He was a better passer. And and I know that Kevin Arnovitz wrote about this on ESPN, that one of the big mantras in Toronto is, drive kick and kick again and that was that was important and it's not just that it's about hitting your shots and I thought I'm really happy for Gasol and Lowry two veterans who have finally made an NBA finals but a key part of that is they were making shots so mm-hmm. we've got a good matchup and at this point I throw out the offensive defensive rating I throw out the stats I look at who's guarding who um, and that's something obviously we'll get into uh, Kevin Durant that's important that's important. important too but what you just said the matchups, mm. who is guarding who. That will be very important um, because we don't know what's going to happen when Kevin Durant returns, if he ever returns. That will change everything uh, if you look at matchups um, because according to me, the the best option for the Toronto Raptors because we still know that they are the underdogs. The three-time champs, of course, they are the favorites in this series, uh, even without Kevin Durant, after what they've shown against the Portland Trailblazers. Although, these Raptors are a way better team than Portland was in the conference finals. Don't forget that. Um, it's a huge difference. And Portland actually made it really tough. They hung in in almost every game in the, com- in the Western Conference Finals. So, the people who say it's going to be an easy sweep for Golden State don't believe that, really don't believe that. But I think the best option, actually, um, for Nick Nurse and for the Raptors is to put Kawhi Leonard on, on Stephen Curry. I think that is the best thing to do, uh, although Stephen Curry, who only played one game in the regular season against Toronto, had a difficult time, only shot 3 for 12, had a difficult time against the alternating Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. But I think how Curry is playing in this season, in this playoffs, um, especially after Durant's injury, you have to put the best on-ball defender you have on uh, on him and the Toronto Raptors have the best on-ball defender of the last 10 to 20 years so I think that's the I'm intrigued the wise, how they're going to do the, that I, I, yeah because is uh, one more thing because mm. I think it's more intriguing as well because of the the quad of Kawhi Leonard right we've seen him um, grabbing it almost after every play he doesn't seem really healthy and that quadriceps we all know the history with it um, I think that will be a defining factor actually that will that will define who Kawhi Leonard will be guarding in the game. And I think he'll be okay just because even though he's clearly bothered by it and he's saying he's fine, he's 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 been able to guard and contain the most powerful one of the most powerful players in the league. And he has to consider now that you're playing seven games maximum left. And I, I was traveling home yesterday, and I wrote down in my notes without Kevin Durant, Leonard guards Curry question mark. And the reason it was a question mark was because um, I'm I'm certain that he will at some point because. 
one of the Warriors stars has to go off every night when you don't have Durant. Um, people say that Golden State's players, two of their superstars can have bad nights. But in the finals, when things get tight, um, th- I think the reason the Raptors will go to that matchup be- is because if Curry plays very well, we know what we we've, we've seen what happens. Even though Toronto are a better team than Portland, in my opinion, but I don't think Leonard starts on Curry. I actually think it will be a mix a mixture of that because it's interesting on the other side. People are talking about uh, Draymond Green potentially guarding Leonard, Iguodala guarding Leonard, but I think it will be. I think Clay Thompson will play a big role in in guarding Leonard. You've got Draymond Green who can guard in inverted commas Pascal Siakam or someone like that because then he's able to roam, allowing the shot of Siakam, which isn't great at the at this stage in his career, and helping on Kawhi because you're then attempting to take away the second most impactful scorer. So. I think it will be a similar role with the Raptors. They're going to see what happens with Curry. Um, I don't know who exactly will guard him. Maybe it is Lowry, but I don't think that will be the case. And then Kawhi will switch on to him at some stage. It might be in game mm-hmm. one. Uh, it's a feel-out game. It certainly is a feel-out game, the first don't one. You think, don't you think that nurse will just start with Lowry on, on, on Stefden and then change it up, like I said, with Kawhi maybe taking over in the end of the second quarter or in the third quarter when the Warriors have their their famous runs depends how I think that's an option the Warriors as well attack the Raptors in the pick and roll right if they if 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 Lennon's not involved in the action and the Warriors if if Kawhi's not guarding Curry to start with the Warriors are obviously going to go away from that they will have green if Siakam's guarding uh green or Iguodala then they'll have that guy screen for Curry because Siakam although he's a decent defender Curry can go to town on him so they want to avoid Kawhi uh, and it'll be interesting to see when Nick goes to that he might um, start. Interest- he might go straight to it. I'm curious to see it. Um, interesting that you, you talked about Draymond Green because, of course, we have so many matchups, interesting matchups in this uh, in these finals. But one of the most interesting is is the Kawhi and Draymond one because we have two of the best defenders. No, we have the two best defenders mm. of this generation of the last decade with Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green. Kawhi, of course, is the on-ball nightmare. But like you said, Draymond Green. He's the most effective on the help side, in the help side, when he can roam around, when he can pick his spots, um, when he can just use his IQ, his brain, um, and that strange body of his, <laughs> which is a compliment, <laughs> of course. He, I don't think there's, a, an, M- there's a, an NBA player who is better at, at reading an offense mm. than Draymond Green is. Even Kawhi Leonard, he's a great on-ball defender, but nobody reads an offense like Draymond Green does in defense away from the ball. Um, but the thing is, Against Portland, that was easier when you have guys like Mo Hartless and Alfaruk Aminu standing in the corner. All right, Pascal Siakam, like you said, he isn't doing great in uh, the playoffs. 29% from three, 24 of 83. Um, but you can't treat him like you did with Hartless or Aminu. They'll, give, they'll certainly give time and space to Ibaka, to Gasol... Um, to those guys at, to begin with and Siakam it, 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 I said this before the Portland series Harkless and Aminu have to score have to hit their threes and, and while Durant's not playing then they don't have to play at all times and that's the key thing if Durant was playing in the Portland series you'd have to keep one of Aminu or Harkless on the floor at all times Danny Green is someone as well who hasn't really shot the three well I know he's been a 40% shooter this season so those are things that the Warriors will play out with as well and 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 when you compare Green and Leonard as defenders, you don't really think about Draymond Green as a an on-ball defender, someone who's going to lock down a ball handler. So I don't expect him to see a lot of Leonard minutes um, to begin with. He's going to be the guy 
that's roaming, playing help defense off the pick and roll because like the Warriors uh, against Kawhi, the Raptors were going to try and avoid Draymond Green where they can in the pick and roll, so attacking smaller defenders. I think you'll see a lot of Kawhi getting switched on to Steph Curry. That's what the Raptors will hope to get out of it. And that's where you see Green at his best in terms of helping behind that pick and roll, forcing guys to pass the ball up, but then reacting to where they've passed it to and stealing the ball. Um, the Raptors, conversely, will try and get Curry and Green into foul trouble. So if that does happen, look for Clay Thompson to, again, be so important for Golden State because he's going to have to, at some point, take a lot of the Kawhi minutes on the ball. Yeah, the thing is, the what the Toronto Raptors are best in is slowing a game down, slowing a team down and making them feel really uncomfortable, right? That's what they are good at. Um, they did it against Philadelphia. They did it, against, did it against Milwaukee. Two teams who like to run, but Nick Nurse and the Raptors always found a way to make them feel uncomfortable. The thing is, can, can they stop the Warriors from running everybody off the floor? Because that's what they've been doing, actually. That's why they have been so great without Kevin Durant. They keep going. They keep moving around. It's non-stop motion. Just... If you're watching a game, rewind after a couple of plays and just keep an eye only on Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. The way they move without the ball is just breathtaking sometimes. It's, it's beautiful to see, beautiful to see that superstars just... That, this is how you work without the ball. They, they keep running around. But if they are on the fast break, you knew with Milwaukee or with Philadelphia that you had guys going, going through the rim. Always, all right, yeah, Milwaukee with the shooters, but their approach is different than the one from Golden State. You have to, the floor is bigger against the Warriors. Mm. It's just this. And I'm, I'm really curious how they will, how they will counter that. They, they won't play at the Warriors' speed because that always ends badly. Everybody who has tried to play on the Warriors' speed has lost time and time again. Well, they're so I'm um, saying on the ringer today that Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon were going back and forth about that. And Chris was saying that, you know, they have to get the Warriors into half into the half court to have any chance. And Kevin was saying, well, obviously that that's an obvious statement because every team does. And KOC was more intrigued by how the Raptors will defend um, Stephen Curry. Will they trap him? You know, how will they defend a pick and roll? Will they trap him early? Will they come off quickly? Will they trap him for the entire time until he gives up the ball? So I think that's people will say it's obvious. It's obvious, but it's still well, people, important to know. I don't, I don't, I don't think the Warriors are any less dangerous in the half court, though. That's, I think the with the no. with the Raptors uh, rebounding so well, that's going to be important because at certain times in the game, and, and it's shocking to say this, Golden State don't have very very good shooters. They they're playing lineups at the moment with just Curry. That's, that's starting five in in games in uh, what was it game four? Um, Alfonso McKinney or was it Jordan Bill? The other starter in the last game? Oh, Curry's... I think it was. Curry's playing in lineups with McKinney and Bell and Looney and Iguodala. And that's when the Raptors have to be effective on the boards. Because if, if Curry's taking the shot, um, which is obviously a, a high percentage thing for the Warriors anyway, but if he's taking the shot, you're not going to get many of those guys um, running back or in, in on, on the perimeter because they can't shoot the ball. So they're going to be attacking the glass. So if the Raptors want to tra play transition, they have to be... They have to rebound well, obviously, and have to hope that Curry and Clay have bad nights. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I also say, just quickly, Kevon Looney, I think, has who's been really, really good in this postseason, he's important because he has to play out on Marc Gasol, but he's also going to have to guard the ball handlers because they're, 
it's how often the centers play in this series is again I think they'll play more than often because it's not a traditional it's not I don't think it's going to be overly small ball because the Raptors can throw those big lineups at you so Looney's going to have to play out on Gasol like he's done against the Rockets who was pretty effective against James Harden and Clint Capella he's going he's to be great. massive he's been great he's been great but um Alfonso McKinney he's somebody who attacks the offensive glass uh, a lot um Jordan Bell He's not a great rebounder, but he always puts pressure on the boards. And like you said, Kevon Looney is doing a great job. I think he's playing awesome in the postseason. Um, Those athletic articles are really interesting, right? They had the yeah, but it's I think they are, they are. Um, but just if you look at the games, and if you look at uh, if you hear Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy raving about Kevon Looney, they're always right. The energy he brings to the table. He's not the best player, but look at the little plays he makes, little baskets he made. He made in Game Four, for example. He got some. Bad passes inside, and he always had the patience patience to wait, to fake it out, and to just go up and finish inside. Um, it will be less easy, of course, against guys like Azol or Ibaka than it was against Enes Kanter or, uh, or Zach Collins, um, I think. But it will be quite interesting. And if you talk about the rebounding, I think for the Warriors, this they just have to keep the same energy and the same effort. Because rebounding is effort. You just have to go for every ball. It's easy. Everybody can rebound a ball. You don't have to, you don't have, to have played... One second of meaningful basketball to rebound a basketball. Everybody can do that. Even a kid who is five years old. It's just effort and being able to grab a basketball. But you have to have the effort. And a lot of teams don't have that. And if you saw McKinney, if you saw Looney, if you saw Jordan Bell, even Sean Livingston, those are guys, even Iguodala when he was, uh, when he was healthy. Those, were guys, those are guys who attack the offensive glass, who crash the boards. And they have to do that, especially against this team, because the Raptors are a better de- a rebounding team um, than... Uh, than the Portland Trailblazers are. So that's uh, another important wrinkle, uh, according to me. And you mentioned those names as well with the Warriors. I think they're less they're less troubled by the Raptors than they are the Bucks in the sense that there are only three guys coming off the bench in Toronto. Fred Van Vliet's been fantastic, and I believe he's fully back now <laughs> in terms of finding his shot, finding his rhythm. I think that's... You want to know his numbers? You want to know his numbers after his son was born? They're pretty, so the pretty first, close to Yeah, the first 15 right? games... Bef- before before his son was born, first 15 games of the playoffs, four points a game, 26% from the field, 20, 20% from three. After his son was born, three games, 16 points a game, 68% from the field. He shot 17 three-pointers. He scored 14. And the big one. That's, at- eight, that's 82% and a big one, 82%. The- so it's just some, some mental things. And I think the birth of his son was important to just maybe – stop from stressing out about being in the playoffs because uh, he's got a kid that changes everything um, gave him some perspective but, yeah but i like the i was going to say the, the the forget the numbers for now the the one shot that he made that yeah. told me he was back was that he was he was going one on one and he made a step back three and it was down the stretch in game 6 against the bucks and that was when you said okay Kawhi Leonard's on the floor Kyle Lowry's on the floor, Marcus Gasol's on the floor, and Fred Van Vliet, with the shot clock running down, doesn't even look to pass. He makes that play. That's when you know the confidence is back. And all. The, and but my my original point to this was, the Warriors are probably less concerned because they know they've got three players there in a Barker Van Vliet and Powell who are blowing hot and cold. Now I know. Certainly, Abaka has the the experience in the postseason. He also has the the nuts for this because you you saw in the in Game Seven against the Sixers in that series, he was the second best player with Leonard. So he is important. He is going to be effective. But Golden State has less to to worry about in terms of a big like Brook Lopez knocking down threes, 
Pat Connaughton shooting threes off screens. You go down the list of the Bucks bench, I think they're a deeper team. Uh, it's just that Toronto's players are more talented and they turned it up after game two. So in that, with that, uh, conversely, I'd say that Steve Kerr, in this respect, can play his bench as he has since game six in the Rocket series. He's, he's not going to be um, throwing out thin lineups, even without Durant. He's going to be able to go to his bench because I don't think Toronto relying on Kawhi so much because I think Lowry's going to have another Lowry game and, and Siakam is, is Hey, But is that's important young. what you just said. That's something I wrote down, uh, the Lowry game, because mm. Lowry has been improving every series in the playoffs. He was terrible in the first round, but he got better in the second one. He was good, really good against Milwaukee. But what kind of Lowry will we, will we see in the playoffs, in the finals? Because it's a whole different stage. Will we get the nervous Kyle Lowry again? Will those jitters be there for the first game? Obviously, there will be you know what? some jitters. I think the nerves have gone because because it's because a they're now yes, but because they're now here. I you saw the way Larry reacted. I feel like he knows that with Leonard over DeRozan, and even that question he was asked after Game Seven, uh, Game Six. Sorry, like what what's the difference this season? He just like looked at Kawhi and laughed, and he and I think that's important because yeah, that. Larry's a. Lowry's really good friends with DeRozan. They still talk all the time on the phone and they check in with each other. For him to do that, it's kind of a... It must hurt him a little bit to go against DeRozan. So for him to do that, I think he's chilled out now. He's made a finals. He's proven his point. He's got the best player in this series, I think. So He even gave, he even gave Masai Ujiri a hook after they, went, big news. they won. Yeah, they hate, he hated him after the Jamal DeRozan trade. But mm. he, everybody now has to admit it. Masai Ujiri is a genius. That was just a really smart move. Hey, do- he had to do that. If he didn't do that, they would have been out in the second round again, probably. Um, DeRozan couldn't do this, Dennis. Um, 38.7 minutes, Kawhi Leonard. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. 2 points, 8.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.6 steals, 87.5% from the line, 50% from the field, 38% <laughs> from three. Wow. Oh, and wow. Uh, the other stat and, and- was they... You know when the Spurs won the title? He had... 328 points in 23 games. He already has 561 in 18 games. Let me give you some more Kawhi Leonard stats. Seven games with 35-plus points in the playoffs. Raptor, he took the Raptors to the first NBA Finals ever. He's a points leader by more than 100 points difference. Um, he scored the most, most points in a playoff series since Michael Jordan. And he held Giannis Antetokounmpo to 13 four-quarter points since Game 2. And with that... Should we, should we talk about... <laughs> what, what, more, what more do we have to say? What more do we have to say? Kawhi, that's one question I have to ask you because, because that's what I've been struggling with, actually. Um, without Kevin Durant, because we know he's not going to play in game one. Um, who, is, who will be the best player on the floor? Well, I think if, if Durant doesn't play or he, went, or he plays one or two games, it's the MVP is Curry or Kawhi. That's, that's what it yeah, comes Yeah, but who, who is the best player right now? Because Leonard, Curry has been on a, Le- on a tear. Leonard's, Leonard's the best player because Leonard is... Leonard shut down Yanis and also done it on the offensive end. He's he guarded Gigi Augustin was the was the I know that doesn't sound very scary. Then he had then he then he sw- <laughs> no it doesn't. Then he switched on to it was Ben Simmons, it was Joel Embiid. He guarded everyone and he's been able and he's he's better in the playoffs. And Leonard has said, I know he's had the load management all season. Uh, it seems to have worked perfectly well. It hasn't affected the team's flow and the chemistry. And they found that it was KOC again who said they found that middle ground where. All year we were questioning whether, even though it was probably a necessity and, and given what, what's happened to Kawhi's quad recently, it was definitely was that they were staggering minutes, not playing him in back-to-backs. Nick Nurse was always worried that Kawhi would oftentimes 
go to the isolation too much and we saw it a little bit well a lot in that Sixers series now yeah. though that was different against think, Milwaukee I think Nick said this is how we beat Milwaukee this is how we win four straight games you have you are sucking the defense into it's like a funnel the bucks are making you go into a little tunnel and we just need you to share the ball a little bit more and they found that that middle ground between Kawhi going off and still being able to get his um, but conserving enough energy where he can pass and defend the best player on the other team. So, so before we get to the next next topic, next subject, some more stats because Kawhi he's been great. He's having one of the best postseasons we've ever seen. Stephen Curry in the last five games, you know what he's averaging? Uh, around thirty-five. Thirty-five point eight points a game, seven point six rebounds. That's a lot. Six point six assists. Forty-seven percent from the field and four point forty-two percent from three. <laughs> Don't make me laugh with that. Nuts. <laughs> He's a good rebounder. Yes, Mark Jackson. He is. He, no, he is. How how many times do do those guys have to say that? Yeah, he is. But don't say that every time he gets a rebound. Go on. Every uh, time. Your, your your best friend Rod Adams. He's uh, there's a there's an article on the Athletic somewhere from this season that basically if if anyone asks. Um, a question about Curry's rebounding or Kevon Looney's defense that isn't positive, Ron Adams will give you a, an essay on why those two are really good at those two assets. But I think it's really <laughs> interesting with Durant as well. Um, Curry's just, he's able to just shoot. And I think part of it is, okay, right after game five when Durant went out, screw it, I need to be the guy to deliver, this, to deliver us to the finals now. He doesn't have that focus on getting the ball to Durant ever in 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 any game right now, and he there is that concern to me when even if things are going well, at some point Durant will head down to the post or come off a pin down, and he needs to receive the pass. And we've seen that mm -hmm. a few times. Curry doesn't have that at all. He knows he's the spiritual leader at all times. He doesn't care. But now he doesn't care. He's literally the dominant force on the court. He's so good. He's been amazing to watch in um. In the conference finals and in game game was a game six against Houston. He was so so amazing to watch. I, I still don't understand that people can say they don't like his game. Um, one of the, one of the absolute greats. I think he's going to be a really cool, really cool NBA Finals. Uh, and I'm curious about Kevin Durant because what would you do? What, what do you do if you're Kevin Durant? What do you do? Imagine imagine the Warriors being up 2-0 after the first two games, going back to Oakland. They won't. With they won't a lead. back anyway. Imagine him being healthy, him being able to come back. Yeah, well, you have to play, and then you have to, you have to bring. What do you do? You can't bring up the bit. You can't bring up the bench. <laughs> He's Kevin Durant. What? What? Well, what happens? I don't think that's what happens? Imagine this. I, I, I think it was Bill Simmons who was talking about it with Ryan Rosillo, and I think it was really interesting just to think about. Imagine them being up 2-0, Kevin Durant comes back for game three and losing game three. No, see, I don't. But I don't. That, I don't, that can that can I, I, fuck a whole yeah, team up. No, I think I think we we want this to we want this narrative to go the way with. No, no, I don't. On, I don't want. I think it's three. They've just lost to a good team, and Durant's not. I, th I just, of course, I know that. That's that's not the point. I just think that, especially with somebody who has proven to be mentally fragile at times, that can get into his head. It's. I mean, it it, it certainly already has, right? I think not just his his in his head, but. His teammates read about the stories, and and Durant's been. Yeah, everybody knows he's out. Durant's been back on Twitter, and and it's been it's been a classic scenario where the Warriors have literally they've gone undefeated since he let he's gone out. And but this I believe is their, obviously with the uh, Rockets game six aside, this is their first super challenge. Um, but you have to remember as well, Portland were in every game of that series. They were up 
15 plus in a couple of games in that. Yep. So the Raptors are going to be a, a, the key with Durant is he's not a necessity. He's a luxury. And they, if the Raptors scheming, if they want to win this series, it all comes down to with Durant out. How do we stop Steph? Because if they take Steph out the game um, and they, they aren't letting him be, look, there's only so many times you can run the curry green pick and roll and Green has Curry has to pass out of a double team, and Green lobs it up for Looney. I don't believe that's sustainable for an entire game. Green is great; he's a great playmaker. If they can stop Curry scoring, Durant is not the insurance anymore because he's not there. And then you start to see that the Golden State Warriors don't have a lot of great shooting. Um, but that's the thing: mm. if you can stop Stephen Curry from scoring, well, I think he's going to go. Shoot. And that's the thing. And I don't know if anybody is able to do that right now. Um, all right. Um, before we get to the next topic, one more cool thing about the Raptors. I uh, I read their uh, victory in Game Six against the Rapt against the Bucks was their 100th um, win of the season during their 100th postseason appearance mm. in franchise history by scoring exactly 100 points and the the six one in six by six points. It's pretty. I cool. thought that was really cool. Really cool and well deserved. Um, really happy for Toronto. All right, let's go to the next topic. Um, we have to um, touch some other things real quickly. The All-NBA teams have come out all defense and All-NBA. Let's talk about All-NBA, uh, All-Defense. Let's do that another time, but All-NBA. What do you think? Uh, first team, I think that was really something we all expected with uh, James Harden and Stephen Curry as the two guards with um, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Paul George. At the forward spots, there was some discussion uh, on that regard and with Nikola Jokic as the center. Um, any remarks on the first team or what do you feel about that? Well, it's like the MVP award where, you know, we say, oh, why doesn't it include the playoffs? Uh, and it will obviously because it's a regular season award. So if you look at these teams now, you would certainly put Kawhi Leonard above Paul George. Um, but the fact is he didn't play as many games. George was pretty consistent, but he did have a drop-off after the shoulder injury, which was around the All-Star game. So I think, to me, you could say that Durant and Leonard over George, easy. Um, and my other, my other thing would just be to say that Jokic, I believe, fully deserved to to be in there over Embiid. That was probably the closest Agreed. battle here because uh, at the end of the day, Jokic had less talent around him. He led his team to second place in a tougher conference. He wasn't just a scorer. He was a playmaker. He was a rebounder. He was a great team guy. Uh, all those things come into it. The the I know that the big question around the, the All-NBA teams this year especially has been the media's impact on contracts and, and money and supermaxes and all that stuff. Um, I think the third team is a bit strange with Kemba Walker. Uh, you've got a lot of guards that uh, for me would go over him but I know you've just, yeah, let, let's let's say the yeah. teams first for people who yes. don't know uh, what they are uh, second team Damian Lillard Kevin Durant um, Kawhi Leonard Kyrie Irving and Joel Embiid at the center position then the third team Russell Westbrook and Kemba Walker in the backcourt Blake Griffin and LeBron James in the front court, and Rudy Gobert in he's my the, biggest problem like at the this center. is the really Gobert the biggest problem with this bloody NBA stuff, all NBA stuff. Who else? Is, don't say Carl Anthony Towns. Is positions. You don't need yeah, okay, a that's freaking true, that's true, center. That's yeah, Rudy, yeah. Get, Rudy Gobert is not the 15th best player in the NBA. Can we... No, that's we true. just need to but stop you know, DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan was uh, a first-team all-NBA guy a couple of seasons ago. He never was a top-five player. Because there had he to never be even a was a top-15 player because it had to be a center. So that's, that's some, something we all know, I think. But if we... We have to just accept it right now that it's positions... 
Um, well, Silva should change and- that. That's the one thing he has to do because it's it. You're just basically forcing Gobert in. So there. you 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 want you want Gobert out, and the other fourteen you are you you can live with. I can't if it's top fifteen players in the league this season. I can't live with that. I can't live with a lot of them. I can't live with Westbrook. I can't live with. So who who has to be out and who has to be in? I think that's important uh, to ask well, them because Bradley, you got fifteen Bradley names. Bill had a better season than Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. And then yeah, but look at look at what the Wizards did. Oh, and now uh, you're going to get into uh, no, yeah, the wins and losses for me don't matter in in all for me for me they do for me they do for me they do because so, there are guys there are guys who can, who make their team re- way better and who Russell make Westbrook's sure they uh, for me that's the for me that's important and then they lost again and he didn't even play well in that uh, yeah but no you you can't talk about the playoffs it's about the regular season but you have to lead your team to the playoffs and the Washington Wizards won 32 games in the east didn't have John, in the east I, I I agree team. that Bradley Beal that I agree team. that if you look at the stats and look at how he played that Bradley Beal deserved a spot I agree with, and I think he is a better player than Rudy Gobert is I totally agree with that so John Wall was out I thought yes but John when John Wall was in they also sucked. I they were I, bad the entire season. I know I know a lot of people say that team wins count as well for this, but if I'm looking at the all NBA, it's about individual performance. That is why it's an all NBA team. That's my Then I then I think De'Aaron Fox deserves it more than Bradley Beal does. I think De'Aaron Fox is a um, well in in the Western Conference, he led his team to 39 wins. He had a great season. Um way better than his rookie season. He was really 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 good. And I think that Team success has a role. It's a team. It's a team sport. No, I get that, but it's a team game, and that's that's why I think it is important. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that Gobert is better than than Beal is. I just have some problems with Russell Westbrook. Again, we we've fallen in love with the triple double <laughs> average. LeBron James, another one. If you care about winning, why is he in the third team? Um, that's because of, because of the lack of forwards. Who are you going to put in? Well, you you you'd say that winning matters. LeBron mm-hmm. went to a Laker team that were destroyed. I who who I, th- I think it's I think it's hard. You, you can how do I say you can, you can defend not putting LeBron in an All NBA team this season because he missed so many games. Um, he didn't make the playoffs. He wasn't that great. Kyrie yes. Irving of hurt course, his team. Of course, he had the stats. Of course, he had the stats. Yeah, Kyrie Irving hurt, still hurt still team. led the Celtics to a f- to the fourth to the fourth seed. But that's un- that's it, underwhelming, right? It's underwhelming. But really, uh, the problem is if you look at the forwards because it's still the spots you have to have front court. You have to have back court guys. Mm. Who are you going to put in instead of? Um, LeBron James. Bill Simmons talked about it as well. He put in LaMarcus Aldridge. I w- could never do that. I don't understand why you put him in. Of course, the Spurs, yeah, they are in the playoffs. That's really remarkable. But there are other guys who deserve it more than. Um, that doesn't mean they're better than LeBron James. Not at all. For all the LeBron fans who uh, want to start hating right now, that, <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Um, but the bigger pro- I the bigger could defend LeBron James missing the All-NBA team this season. The bigger problems are... Um is the money stuff but also the voters that you know the guys that voted you know Dwayne Wade got a second team vote and I, that's ridiculous he, he, this he is told, stuff that I did, did you like. see the video did you see the video he uh, recorded with uh, with his wife about his selections no oh he was just laughing with it that uh, it's cool that he got some votes but that uh, he didn't deserve it especially after this season uh, and Gabby his wife just came in after every three seconds she just said Clay Thompson <laughs> Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, and she's right because yeah, he had a rough start. That's the answer. The first, by the, way, the first for month, and Westbrook. the first month, and a, 
He had a first month and a half. He had a rough start. Um, but just like you said, Paul George had a rough ending of the season. Um, and Clay Thompson was a big part of his team's success, winning 57 games again, being the top seed in the wild, wild Western Conference. Um, I'd have Beal and Thompson over Kemba, who I really like, and Westbrook. Be- Beal, by the way, was three votes, I just read, three votes short of a, of being in the third team, which would have given him $30 million. Ahead of, ahead of who? Ahead of who? What do you mean? Ahead of, yeah, three votes. Who would have been out? if? Well, it would have been one of... Uh, Kemba Walker I'm, I'm would be out. I'm assuming it would be Kemba there, yeah. And Beal, okay. just to say, 25.6 points a game this season, 5.5 assists, 5 rebounds, all career highs for him. Um, if you look across the board, he played 82 games as well. I just don't. Sometimes I just don't understand the voting. And the thing is, what's ridiculous with all this is that there are money consequences. There are financial consequences for the players. Um, that's not correct. If you let reporters decide, it was you. You can't let a reporter decide the future of an NBA player. Of course, okay. It's a difference between making what is it, two hundred and thirty million or two hundred million for five years. They already they already make way too much money. We know that. But it's weird that you have to make you have to make an an All NBA team or win an award to be eligible for the Supermax. Now Bradley Beal can't have one. Uh, who's Clay the other Thompson. one? Clay Thompson can't have one, and the guys who can have one, like you said, uh, Kemba Walker and Damian Lillard. And you're they, looking, uh, you're looking, they secured the back. Clay Thompson is has an. A really staggeringly low number of All NBA teams so far. I don't understand Ma- that. Marvin Bagley got a third team vote. Andre Drummond got a second team what? vote. Whoa, 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 whoa! Really? Yeah. Marvin Bagley Marvin got Bagley a third got team a vote. Third team vote. He missed fourteen of the first forty-two games of the season. Played only twenty-five minutes a game. And okay, by the that's way, ridiculous. while we're while we're talking here, um, Luka Doncic, you know, hello. Uh, so. If you if you go in that way oh. and then Andre Drummond too, uh, you ha- you have to you have to strip him of his right to vote. The, the, oh, ju- the reporters course. that gave that they gave Bag- those, Bagley. votes to Bagley just just take those th- those rights away because if you do that you can't take yourself serious as a reporter. That's that's just ridiculous. Okay, well, if you, um, if let's you, go to. If, sorry, I was just gonna say if, if you've do- yeah. if you've made that vote and you also haven't voted for Bradley Beal in the third team, that's that's one of the three people who cost him. The, the cash I agree I totally agree um, that's, that's just ridiculous alright um, next topic one we have to talk about um, I normally don't want to talk about teams who don't uh, who aren't in the playoffs when the playoffs are going on but we can't ignore the mighty mighty soap opera of the NBA <laughs> the bold and the beautiful the young the wrestlers however you want to call it the Los Angeles Lakers and Magic Johnson he just threw another bombshell oh. Shaggy P uh, Magic Johnson, for the people who didn't, who don't know what we're talking about, Magic Johnson came on ESPN's first take um, to talk about what happened um, before his resignation from the LA Lakers. And he came on a first take on the same day that Rob Palinka introduced the new head coach, Frank Vogel, uh, for the Lakers. Um, good timing, Magic. And he, he, he damn well knew that the presentation was uh, going to be that day. Um, Magic Johnson threw some bombshells. He uh, said that Rob Palinka was a backstabber, um, that Palinka was um, saying things about him that he heard. Uh, Magic Johnson was just being a... To be honest, he was being a snitch. Yep, I, um, I agree. I, he, hurt his fran- he hurt the franchise that he claims to still want to help. Um, you know... He he said that he gave up all the stuff. Um, oh, that about the, the movies. movies on Sunday nights. That was <laughs> that was my favorite because 
that was so good. Right there, you're you're basically you're underwhelming your argument of because Rob Palinka's beef with Magic was that he didn't work hard enough, and I I was one to say that Palinka had to take it to him or have a conversation with Magic and Genie together and not be you know, forgetting to um, CC Magic in emails that were slating Johnson. But at the same time, if if the argument with Palinka is that you're not doing a damn thing, Magic went on this show, he said he had to give up movies on Sunday nights. He also said that when he signed the contract, he said to Jeannie, I'm going to keep doing my other businesses. Is that okay? I'm not going to be always here. And she said, yes, those two are the startling quotes for me. And also the bigger picture here is Jeannie... Jeannie set the standard. She she set the standard for this by saying to Magic, that's fine. Uh, he came on this show and said that. He also said he wanted to fire Luke Walton. And then Tim Harris got his nose in the in the fire and said, no, I think we should keep him, even though Mr. Harris is in business side of things. So Magic's points were really going against him and just hurting the Lakers even more. Yeah, and that, that last argument, um, that he wanted to... Uh, fire Luke Walton and who was it that said no you can't do that Tim Harris I can't even Tim Harris I can't even remember his name Magic should have just said who are you yep. I'm Magic Johnson Thank you. I'm the president of basketball operations this is my job you're on the business side I want to fire Luke Walton you have nothing to say just be the Magic Johnson we know he can be a dominant man we've all read the stories or we, or we at least have read the stories we've heard stories about Magic Johnson as a player what he was he, he fired his head coach in his third season in the NBA he made sure that Paul West had got fired uh, and therefore Pat Riley got the job that was Magic Johnson who was a coach killer back then because he spoke out so now you're saying that Magic Johnson is going to be impressed by a guy from business, from the business side, who is going to tell him how to run a basketball team? That's that just doesn't make sense. That's that's for me. That was that was something like ma- Magic acting like a seven-year-old boy who doesn't know what to say, who doesn't know what to do, being a, a scared little boy. And if it uh, made, then, by the way, just quickly, if it, if it if that does make sense and it's what actually happened, then you've got to blame Genie for not just saying, "Okay, we're listening yep. to Magic, not Tim Harris." Uh, blame Genie, yeah, but also blame Magic for not having balls. Yep. Well, he's got he's got balls um, and he used them a lot in the eighties. Bad joke. <laughs> no. Sorry. Oh wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he was also complaining that Lopalinka was talking to people that Magic Johnson wasn't at the office that much, which was a fact. Yep. Was just a fact. So it's not backstabbing. It's just telling the truth. You know what Magic Johnson did? Magic Johnson signed Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Javale McGee. He made this, the team way stronger. He gave, what is it, $15 million to Contavious Caldwell Pope. He sold Brooke and Lopez. And after that, he sold Brooke Julius Lopez. Julius Randle. And Julius Randle, because of course, if you get LeBron James, you can't have Julius Randle. That's also something he said. That's all, wow, um, dumbfounding. But he did all of those things. He traded D'Angelo Russell. Because that was smart, according to him. Got lucky Number with two Kuzma. pick for, got lucky. Num- yeah, yeah. We of course got coups out of that. That was a late first traded round pick. Zubach. Lucky, lucky, lucky pick. Yeah, traded Zubac, but that was after that. But before the, tr- the Zubac trade, he did all those things. And then he went on a five-week holiday. Five weeks. Well, he deserved vacation. it. All that work. He, oh, of <laughs> course. And, and he posted a picture every day. I think he saw a movie if he wanted to. He could have seen a movie every day. Five weeks. What is it? 35 days. That's, that's more than the entire season, especially for the Lakers because they're out in April. So, come on. I think that was... I like Magic, really. I think he's one of the five best players ever. I like his charisma. I like how he acts, um, especially how he acts on the court. This is so disappointing. I, I get my me. last this few things in here. I think you're right about Palinka not 
in, in factually correct, but the way he handled his business as well, um, and and the story, yeah. oh, oh. the stories coming like the backstabbing, the backstabbing is real. I believe that nobody likes Palinka apparently. No, and, and apparently nobody in the NBA likes him. The Baxter Holmes story that I'm yet to read, but, but it's waiting for me, and he's always great, and he's done this Lakers story today. Apparently, Rob Palinka lied about a um, Kobe calling Heath Ledger after the Dark Knight came out. Um, to, because Kobe wanted to ask Ledger how he gets into his zone and, and has peak performance. Um, the point here is that Heath Ledger died three months before the movie came out. And Palinka, it was it was a lie, basically. And there's a lot more things like that in the story, apparently. So I, I'm, I'm with Palinka on the whole uh, effort from Magic. I'm also with Magic and how Palinka went about his business and is actually currently doing that. Magic's comments, uh, I love the Lakers, Genie is a sister, LeBron's going to win the chip, I want to be part of the recruiting still. And then he just went, he just, wow. how, 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 in what, in what, like, <laughs> in what way is Genie your sister if you've met up with her for dinner after you re- resigned and then you've gone on the show and done this? You do it the same day Frank Vogel um, is, is introduced to the Lakers alongside Palinka. Genie for me has to streamline this because Magic will go away. If he stops talking, which he will, he'll go away. The Lakers are still a mess. Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, Phil Jackson's name came up. Tim Harris's name came up, as we know now. Streamline the business. Make sure you should have done this before. You should have had Palinka and Magic in a room, if not not together at all, because if you know two people can't work together, you get rid of one of them. So she has to do a lot of work here. Um, a lot, a lot of work. And uh, LeBron has to be more of a supporter to every single thing that's going on. But Gen- Genie Bus, good or bad owner? Well, based on what she's done so far, pretty pretty damn terrible. I think we the top three bad owners are James Dolan for the Knicks, um, Robert Sarver from the Suns, and Genie Bus for the Lakers. And Genie is making a really good case for being number one on that list. All right, um, let's wrap it up. Overtime, we still have two questions. At least I have two questions for you, Max. Um, how much would you pay for an NBA Finals ticket? Uh, based on current financial status, I'm <laughs> going to say I would pay... What ge- What game are you giving me? Um, game three. Game three. Well, let, let's, let's say... Let's say well, how about game five? Because I want to go to Toronto. Is okay, game five then. Game five in Toronto, I will pay I will pay three hundred pounds for that ticket. Three hundred pounds. That is what is it in Euros? That's about the same. It's very close now. No, it's more. Dennis, seriously, the conversion rate is literally it's about five P difference. Really? It's time to go to London. Let me right. let me just Google that for you. Um, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I want to know that, actually. Okay, uh, 300 pounds. I'll t- oh, no. Wait, when you're Googling it, I will tell you the average prices of the NBA Finals between the Raptors and the Warriors. Did you see that already? No, I'm worried. So, the... Oh, the the highest average price uh, ever was for the 2016 finals, $2,820. You haven't got that. Average prices right now are tracking at five thousand us dollars really five thousand dollars well i hope that's three hundred three hundred dollars canadian <laughs> money um <laughs> it's 340 euros apparently which is okay. i mean i'm looking forward to my italy trip even more now um <laughs> i got one for you if you could find out the starting lineup for any team right now for next season and i'm, I'm guessing the obvious candidates here are the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Raptors, um, the Knicks. 
If you could find out one team they're starting out for next season right now, who would it be? Yeah, the Knicks are the obvious choice, I think. I'm too curious for the Knicks because that's also a little bit, per little bit personal for me because that was my father's team. So I got a little bit of love for the Knicks and I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm feeling so bad for the Knicks fans. They've been so patient. <laughs> they have had, yeah, be honest. Is there, are there fans that are being tormented more than Knicks fans? No, I don't I've think been so. There. I don't think so. I've been to the garden a lot in the last three years. and I'm thinking about football teams as well. Uh, are there fans being more tormented with hope and then disappointment again bad ownership and Leeds Leeds United have had a pretty bad but, run but not, not a 20 year run but close no and, and Leeds is a small town so it's a little bit different uh, if ooh, you compare it to New York ooh, of course ooh, ooh. if you compare it to New York careful sorry Leeds there are more Leeds fans in Leeds than Knicks fans in New York Max doesn't mind that Leeds uh Leeds isn't going to the Premier League, are they? No, no it's they're Aston. not. Villa that is going. It's your Villa that is going to the, to the Premier Indeed. League. Um, I think, yeah, I'm most curious for the Knicks. And let me think of an original second team. The Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. who? Have, I wonder yeah, what they're going to do because the they're, they're going to trade. Oh, I, oh, go back to Seattle. Become the Supersonics again. Oh, I would love that. Because they're going to trade Conley. They've got the number two pick this year. Mm. They've got Jaron Jackson. Um... They've got some hey, things that can conspiracy they can theory. do. The the Grizzlies move back to Seattle and Kevin Durant signs a one on one with the Knicks and then he goes back to the Supersonics when he's thirty three. How about that? Mm, that would be cool. But I was I was always thinking that the Clippers would be going back to Seattle. Because I think that um Steve Ballmer is from that area, actually. Yeah, he is from Seattle. Yeah, so um, that can that can also happen. Kevin Durant signing with the Clippers, knowing that Balmer promised him a move to Seattle. It takes, it's going to take uh, probably at least ten years for that that move to happen. So that would be cool if that happens. I would be totally for that. The Clippers can move. I don't care for the Clippers being in LA. Just be, just go to Seattle. Lake, the the La LA has the Lakers. It's Lakers town. Go to Seattle, make it work in three years time. Maybe has an whole, a whole secret, uh, whole secret topic. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, okay, uh, one more question for you. Actually, got two, but this one. Um, what was the last NBA Finals that didn't have somebody who played with Shaquille O'Neal once? Yeah, I saw this the other day, and I'm trying to remember now. I'm pretty sure because Danny Green's the latest, right? Um, yeah. The, yes, it is. I'm gonna take a stab. I think it was. Was it 26? So 26, that is... Yeah, 1993. That's the last year that he didn't have a teammate. That he didn't have somebody who played with him so on the team in the finals. So that would be 27, 26, 26. 26, wow. 26, 26, yeah, that's uh, the Bulls', Bulls Suns finals. That was before Michael Jordan retired. That's crazy, isn't it? The first time. Shaq still having that's, an impact. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, that's crazy. Yeah, my last qu I got one more question for you. Mm. Have you missed LeBron yet in the playoffs? No. Okay, quick answer. <laughs> um, and I guess we should finish on predictions. That'll be, my, that'll be my last one for the finals. Okay, Warriors in six. I already said to Mr. Begovic the other day on our show, Warriors in five. So That was good, by the way. Everybody hasn't seen that. Thank you. Max had a, had a preview, NBA Finals preview show with Amir Begovic. As goalkeeper Begovic. of. Asmir Begovic, I said Amir, yeah, Asmir Begovic, <laughs> uh, former goalkeeper and uh, former backup of Thibaut Courtois at Chelsea, and he's now keeping at, is it Bournemouth? He's at Bournemouth, yeah, um, yeah, it was fun, thanks for watching, and yeah, I'm going to stick with that prediction, I, we were sat there doing that um, before the Eastern Conference Finals had finished, so we did two previews, 
And at the time, the Raptors were 2-1 down, and I, I thought the Warriors could sweep them. Now that the war, It's all recency bias. Now the Raptors are playing well again, I'm, I'm going to give them five or six. But <laughs> By the way, I have an idea uh, mm. to, to wrap this up. Um, I had a podcast with Thibaut Courtois mm. last week. How did it go? The I did pod- not hear that yet. Yeah it, was really, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, you won't understand it. It's in Dutch, so you won't understand oh, that. No, but maybe we can... We can Record one with the two with those two guys, the two former Chelsea goalkeepers. I I can guarantee that Mr. Begovic, if he's listening right now, I will answer it for him. He would love to come on. I think he's already told me he'd like to come on. Uh, I think our problem is technology and actually figuring out how we get that done. But cool. we'll make that work. I'll get to London. We'll Skype with Tibor or something, or we'll make him come to London as well. We will. We'll figure something out. But now. Focus on the finals. I can't wait. Thursday night, um, three o'clock here in the morning. Two o'clock can't in uh, the UK, I guess. Well, we got. I've got Monday. I got next Monday off work, and game two is Sunday. So that'll be my Monday morning f- sorted. I'm, and the thing is, I'm only working nights from now on. Belgian playoffs and Belgian hockey, uh, and uh, international hockey. So how's the hockey? How's the hockey going, my man? The, the hockey career um, you talked about last time we did a pod. You were going to do some commentary. <laughs> Everyone's intrigued by this. No, just doing the interviews, no commentary. Uh, that's that's a rough job. Um, <laughs> before, yeah, for real. That's um, that day. Um, it's two games. First, the national team for the ladies are playing the Red Panthers, and then the Red Lions. That's the men's national team. They're playing um, Great Britain on Thursday. I have to do that game as well. I'm not doing the commentary. That's a great Flori Schertz, Um but I have to do the interviews, and the job. It's really hard. Before the game, I have to do um, two interviews with the coaches um, that can last 50 seconds each. And after the game, I have to do the player of the game. Well, we bro- also also 50 seconds seconds max. So you can see that's uh, hard work. I feel your pain, and also that I a couple more plugs here. In the last year, I've written about Nick Nurse and Alex McKechnie, who are both with the Raptors. I really want to be out there. Um, so it's it's a little frustrating. So it's nice to have a podcast that we can sort of... We can not just talk about basketball, we can vent our frustrations that you're doing hockey and I'm not doing the finals either. I, I don't, be, be honest, I don't mind doing hockey. I just want to do more work. I want to have more interviews and more time to do interviews because mm-hmm. the hockey that they are playing, especially the guys, they're the world champions. They, be, they became world champions last year. They are, what a, that's a great team. I, I never was into hockey before that, but they, it's insane. they are convincing they are, me. You're talking about ice hockey, right? No, no, no! Field oh, hockey, field, field hockey. hockey. See, I think yeah, we are world ch- ice uh, hockey. Belgium doesn't Belgium doesn't do ice hockey. We don't have a, we never have ice here. So why would we? <laughs> well, why would you do that? That's very true. That's very true. But we we don't get sun here either. Clearly, because it's nearly June and I haven't had a single day of sun yet. Hey, this summer is going to be uh, this summer, this weekend it's going to be twenty five degrees. Uh, that's here. That, yeah, same in London. That's the forecast. Yes, finally. <laughs> you see, the the finals begin. And life gets better. This is the important. The audience find this all very important. Our our respective <laughs> frustrations with jobs and the weather forecast. <laughs> frustrations? I'm just saying positive no, things. You, Come no, on, man. No, no, no. Uh, you're not joining me on the frustration bandwagon. I wish you would. I'm sorry, man. I'm having a happy day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, enjoy game one of the finals. We'll talk. We'll try. When is game two? Sunday, Sunday right? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, we can do early next week if you want. All right. We'll try to uh, do one as soon as possible. Max, it was great hearing you again. Good to chat. Take care, man.